You don't like cats in the bag? I don't need her. I don't need her asking munching and crunching. Mm. Is your wind chime okay? Yeah. Okay. It's spooky. Mm. What about all the birds? Are you good? They're spooky too. Okay. I put a spell on you, and now you have to listen to this podcast. This week, it's my turn yet again to host. And I don't do horror, but I do do witches and family-friendly films usually made by a mouse. If you haven't already guessed it, this week on the School for Wayward Nerds, I'm forcing Toby to review Hocus Pocus 2. I did. Um, I, I, I made you watch it, so mm-hmm. now you have to be on my podcast. Just say hello to the listeners. Yep. I'm here against my will. Now, before we get started, you told me that I had to remind you you wanted to correct something from last week. Oh, shit. Good good remembering that I told you to remember for me. Hence the reason I put it in my intro. In our episode about Bride of Chucky, I forget any context whatsoever, but I said the guy from Limp Biscuit died in a Saw movie. I meant the guy from Linkin Park. That's all. Okay. I don't remember the context or the reasoning, but I should know better. I'd go for it. I don't know. I can't believe that you made such a mistake. Yeah. You'd think a biscuit head like me would have more self-respect. Hey, Limp, Lincoln, same diff. Um, so we're not really going to talk about Hocus Pocus, the original film. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've spoken about it during one of our Halloween grab bags. Um, look, we, we can do it, but right. I've so done I, it. What so. I'm remembering is, boy lights candle, mm-hmm. sister there sometimes, mm-hmm. girl unrelated there sometimes. Like a love yep. interest maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, um... These three witches just hassle them. Pretty much. And then at a certain point, the film ends. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. Um, while, while you have done such a great job, I'm still going to give this a little bit of context. <laughs> ah, I did all right. Keep going. <laughs> so the original film was released July 16th of 1993 by Walt Disney Pictures. Mm-hmm. Upon its release, it received mixed to negative reviews. And was not counted as a box office success, losing Disney around $16.5 million during its theatrical run. But. During its many airings on the Disney Channel and Disney-affiliated channels, usually for the entire month of October, Hocus Pocus was rediscovered by audiences, resulting in a yearly spike of home media sales every Halloween season. See, I don't know if it was newly discovered, because... This hits exactly what I feel like Spy Kids was to me. Mm. A movie that is uh, critically bad. Uh, Parents don't want to watch it because it's dumb. But you're like seven when it comes out. And it kicks fucking ass. I bring up the possibility of that being a thing later on and ask you all about it. I don't think that movie can stand on its own two legs. But much like Halloween Town... It's a key piece of nostalgia and history to a lot of people. I, I want to point out the fact that a lot of people have already started bashing the sequel. Because then we aren't six anymore. Right. The first film... As critical as I am of this sequel, and as critical as I am to the first one, because I have no nostalgia for it, you showed it to me in my adult years. 
I get it, though. But then, so, that's the thing. It took a long time for the first film to actually become as popular as it is. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be taken into account when we talk about this episode. Because throughout it, I'm going to point out things that I really enjoy and things that they're just like. This is an investment topic. It's somewhat. For when people who really like Bluey now are old enough to listen to podcasts, they'll be so on board for Hocus Pocus too. <laughs> At the end of the day, Hocus Pocus, no matter which one you're talking about, is a corny holiday movie. But that's kind that's of... That's what it's yeah. meant to be enjoyed as. That's it's not point. a theatrical masterpiece. It's not a triple A. It's not a... It just has to give off kind of full vibes and fit the Disney Channel. Because I know it's on Disney Plus, but it's a Disney Channel film. It tastes like one. Like, that's that's what this is supposed to be. Yeah. And smart house, but Halloween. Do do you agree that like a holiday movie doesn't have to be good? There are no good, good Halloween movies. But the holidays like, in the general, part of like it. most Christmas movies, are lame. Hmm. Ah, Batman Returns, and that concludes my like Christmas movies are lame. Yeah, no, any sort of anything that's built on a on a season doesn't really have its own like to stand on because it's, it's hard to explain but yeah you're they, right they it's, have to be corny to be good it's all about the vibe it ain't about content pretty pretty much it's a pumpkin like, spice latte like you you think about when someone describes full basic white bitch i wanted to make a joke about pumpkin spice but i don't know enough about starbucks it's so good is it good or is it seasonal both uh, yeah. But that's, that's the thing, this, this film isn't a year-round film. Like, you only watch it in October. Mm. Debatable. Halloween's a lifestyle, not a day. I didn't say that <laughs> Halloween was a lifestyle. I just said you're not watching Hocus Pocus in my... I wasn't watching it really anyway until you made me watch it. <laughs> that's true. Isn't that something? So, let's, let's jump into the film that we're actually... Well, we should jump into casting. You have Bette Midler, Bette Midler uh-huh. Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Meacham reprising their roles as Winifred, Sarah, and Mary, respectively. Mm-hmm. We also have Doug Jones returning as Billy Butcherson. Yep. Um, he's he playing was, Captain Jack Sparrow, I think. No, he's playing Billy Butcher mm-hmm. from the first film. Tomato, tomato. Um, you will not recognize Doug Jones, but he is in just about every film you've seen. He's in charge of being... Covered in prosthetics and then going to the movie. Yep. Um, Tony Hale is the man that is the mayor of Salem. And He's in a lot of stuff plays too. Is his the Reverend? Mm-hmm. Is Jeffrey Trisky? Um, and then we move on to the three girls who are. There's some really creative costuming in this that I think went over our heads. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got, like, the three teens that we're following the story of. So you've got Becca, who is played by Whitney Peake. Izzy, played by Belissa Escobedo. Belissa? Yeah. Wow. Um, and Lilia Beckingham plays Cassie. Okay. Um, Cassie's the white one? Yes. you got to be more respectful to your friends, dude. you got to lift your game. Yeah. <laughs> Getting a boyfriend and being a teenager is hard. She's whipped, bro. 
Um, a few other important characters that I'm going to throw in here is Sam Richardson as Gilbert and Froy Gaterias as Mike's or as Mike, which is Izzy's boyfriend. Yeah. Who I end up liking a lot despite him not really being like a huge role. Yeah. Um, like, I, don't... I feel like I don't need to throw him in there. But by the end of the film, I'm like, oh, buddy. That poor bastard is getting the bum end of the stick. He's just, he tries so hard and just fucks it at every, like, level. Now, I couldn't help but notice you didn't say Danny, uh, the actress who played Danny reprises any roles or returns for this one. Uh, she was supposed to. Mm. However, there was a scheduling error and she was unable to. I hate that that, it shows how broken and, like, shitty social media and misinformation is. With the amount of times I've seen that she's the witch at the start of this movie. So, ah! I thought so too, and I got really, really annoyed until I worked out they're actually referring to, and I say it further down, costuming. Hmm. Danny is dressed as Mother Witch in the original film. Is that why people are falling for it? Yes. Yeah. Because it is, like, it's the same kind of colour palette and the same, which I think is a really cool costuming callback. Um, and, like, I, how, I, how I stumbled over the teenagers in the film, huh? um, particularly one of the posters for the film, the three teen girls are put, like, parallel to the witches. And if you look at their costumes and things... Their colour palettes, the textures within their, like, costumes and things all refer back to someone. Yeah. So, like, Becca is the new Winifred. She's the more powerful out of the three in the coven. She's got the same colour palette. She's got that same, I can do it on my own, but I've got my friends with me kind of attitude. Izzy is a little bit, you know, bigger, a little bit goofy, a little bit... She's the comic Mary. friend. Yeah. And then Izzy is the white blonde haired, same hairstyle. Boy crazy one. Boy crazy. That's good. Like, and I don't think that you necessarily pick that up at first, but the more that I've kind of thought on it, the more that I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, I have also been informed by a work colleague that in my casting, I must point out that Cornbread Jet, Caramora Hall, and Ginger Minge are in the group of lookalikes on the stage. Okay. So if you like RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, this is your drag queen shout out. Because um, when I said that we were doing an episode on this, they were like, you need to say this. And I was like, okay. Okay. So here's, here's your line. So how are you feeling about our cast? Fine. It's impressive that they got the three originals, but a lot of this, from what I can tell, is Bette Midler's idea. So it makes sense that they did. Um, and everyone else is, like you said, it's Disney Channel movie. They're all kind of just generic, you know, teenage women. Yeah, they're yeah. just whoever the fuck. Um, I did have a little bit in there about you know, what happens in the first film, but I feel like your description worked well. I feel like it's one of the movies that just kind of goof along and then wraps up eventually. Yeah. Pretty much. 
You want to um, talk about who, um, you know, wrote the story and did some of the, uh, who's credited, but I can't find why. Also, you want to talk about Jen D'Angelo? No, but you can. With story elements added by David Krishna and Blake Harris. David Kirshner? That one. Isn't that amazing that he popped up again in our Halloween, uh, It's month? almost like he's typecast. I just, I was, I was shocked that he, <laughs> that he popped up here. Um, for all those playing at home, he's the guy who, like, designed Chucky. Um, apparently he didn't have too much to do with the story. Apparently he produced the first one, too. He did. But and he's an al- American Tale. He's, he's also working on Disenchanted at the moment. And Curious George. I mean... <laughs> Sorry, take that as you will. I shall. What a, what a weird career... He just does what's around. Yeah. You know what they say, if you love something, make a dollar out of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was directed by Anne Fletcher, mm-hmm. and it released on September 30th of this year on Disney+. Plus. Um, the idea for a sequel has actually been floated around by many different people, mostly the original cast, for about the last 15 years. Um, it has gone through multiple, like, what it could be, who would come back. At one stage, the entire cast was coming back, then none of them was coming back, then Bette Midler just kept asking to come back, then she decided she didn't want to come back, then everyone else signed on, so she signed on, like... It's been one of those will-it-ever-happen things for yeah. a long time. Like, to the point where they were all like, look, clearly Disney aren't going to do anything about it. Stop asking. Like, it's not going anywhere. However, then there was a rumour that they were going to reboot the film, not create a sequel. And that was when it started to get to the point where it was like, you have all of the original cast or at least the three Sanderson sisters, begging to come back and reprise the roles, why would you reboot it? Just just use the cast. How do they do a, a shitty live-action remake of a shitty live-action film? They'd have to animate a reboot. No, They'd have they to go were, around the other way. They were going to do a live-action. No, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and they were like... There's rumours of the people that they'd cast to do it, and everyone was just like, we, we don't want that. We want Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Newton. Like, just just do what we want. So, we finally got our film. And it starts off in Salem in 1653, with uh, the three young Sanderson sisters being banished from Salem by Reverend Trisk. Um... Winifred has decided to defy the authority of the church, is refusing to marry John Pritchard, and it's her 16th birthday. The birthday thing is kind of important for a witch because that's when it's believed that they officially come into their power. Rather than let her sisters Mary and Sarah be taken away from her, Winifred escapes and they all hang out in the Forbidden Forest. There they make the acquaintance of Mother Witch, who gives Winifred the magic book, as part of her birthday presents, 
but explicitly warns the sisters never to cast um, Magica Mexica, which is the all-powerful witch spell, um, and instead, you know, we assume that she teaches the kids how to, like, suck the youth out of children and set fire to things. So, how did you feel about the throwback scene? I have two minds. Mm-hmm. On one end, they could have just ran a prequel movie. A lot of people wish they had it. Them shits was, um... Pretty cool. Like, the set pacing and stuff was really nice. Obviously, it's timeless. It won't age as abruptly as the rest of the film will. The girls are really good at, like, Having big teeth off and doing the face... And the finger thing. twirly thing. What the fuck like the is going on with thing? the with the third witch's face? I don't I don't know what to make of it. They all have their thing. She got the teeth. She got the face. She's doing she's the, got the hair twirly. She's thing. doing the little Nikki face crush thing. I don't know. I've never seen it. Ah, oh, it's a gold movie. Um, but on the other hand, all the all the witch hunt stuff came off very um oppressive to women. And not necessarily about witchcraft. How do you yeah, feel about did, she, that as a lady? She just didn't want to marry some dude. Yeah. We do We do I get, get to see old-timey Billy Butcherson, though. Hmm. He's there for a little bit. It's just, I know a lot of, like, the, the witch-burning and witch-hunt stuff comes off as very, you know, mean to women, but I just, I feel like something's lost in history that no one knows who Giles Corey is. Hmm. Who got the worst of the witch trials, and was a dude? I just I feel like it never comes up, and it's weird. Not really, because most people like you think of a witch, you think of the the chick woman. on the broom with yeah. the spasnos and looking looking crazy. Mm. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of um. I don't even want to say agenda to it because it just kind of comes off just you know it's a Disney Channel movie for girls. Yeah. I don't see a lot of boys out here. Well, no, that's a lie. I'm just going to leave that one alone. Um, personally, at first, I was a little confused with what they were, like, doing. And then I realized that they were setting up, showing how, like, the sisters got into witchery, how they got book. And it also mirrors the start of the original, which is how we get the story about Thackeray Binks and things like that. Um... That was, was a good red herring, now that you mentioned that. I just remembered that that never... Comes to anything. It's not that it doesn't come to anything, it's that you expect it to, and it's a, it's a trick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, and it's an interesting way to show us um, the past Salem. And like I said, about, like, they've already started changing up those costumes and using them to mirror different things that they want the viewer to see without maybe necessarily, like, shoving it in our face. Um, and so I think that's, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and then the movie never recovers. No, no, then they set fire to, to the reference house. Oh, good. Okay. And it's just Let's fun to see them hijinxing. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people say that it should just be a prequel TV show. And they were hung for that, And from that, that right? point... No! We're, they're not hung for ages after that. Yeah, but, like, yeah, they're, they're criminals now. Yeah. Because yeah. they can't... Well, we don't see them catch the girls set the reverence house on fire. No, they're just hanging out. But we know a couple of years into the future, when they're, like, in their 20s or something like that, they, they eat Emily Binks 
Hmm. And then Thackeray runs after them because he's like, go near my sister. And they're like, too late. Hmm. <laughs> and then he turned into a cat. So suddenly the film jumps to um, 2022. And the film never recovers. <laughs> 29 years after the Sanders sisters are resurrected by the Black Flame Candle, we have Becca and Izzy preparing to celebrate not only Halloween, but Becca's 16th birthday. She has Halloween birthday and they have their little um, magic circle about it. Yeah. But they exclude their friend. Well, so I've literally put, there is the awkward scene of teenagers in school dealing with awkward teenager stuff. I know that's the thing you saw, but I was already disorientated by the crazy shaky cam in this scene. You did pick on that a lot. Immediately, because I... Oh, it's such a trigger. I hate it. It grosses me out. I don't like when a, when the dude filming it's trying to stand on one leg while he's doing so. But then, we get the pants lady. <laughs> pants lady is in my notes. <laughs> Fuck, good. How, how, how long till I can bring it up? <laughs> give, me, give me, like, five seconds. All right. So we learn in the awkward high school bit that... Um, they're no longer friends with their friend Cassie because she has a boyfriend that she's had for like four months and apparently she's just ditched them and, you know. So while, while I'm sitting here dealing with the awkwardness that is teenagers, Toby's just watching the girl with the weird pants magically appear in the shots. So it's an important step in filmmaking, I assume, to have relatively nondescript extras in the background. Not women with fire truck red pants down to the shin bone and then they switch to a lemon yellow and have her walk past like three times at least but in different shots yeah she's there's, no, she's never walking by and then forgetting her keys going back to her car she's a t- she is like fucking nightcrawler from x-men she's just around bro ridiculous <laughs> You, the, at least you're going with the shaky cam. I also love that, yeah, it was a good distraction. I was just clinging on to anything. Ugh. It's like the fucking court scene from Man of Steel. Um, the whole plot line about how friend has boyfriend gets solved in like two sentences later, and I kind of love how it, nothing that was. How but pointless. That, but that's the thing! Like... I, I can understand kind of that they get annoyed that he's so dumb, but at the same time, he's so dumb. It's so much fun to watch them interact with each other because they're like, are you serious? I'm sure we'll get back to like that character and where that thing goes because there's like a weird moral to this film that... Don't I, judge people for lack of brain cells. No, no, no. It's, it gets dumber than that, but continue. We'll, we'll come back around to... Whatever the himbo's name is. Uh, I think it's Mike. Mike's um, So, this, the school stuff wraps up with, really, we didn't desperately need it, but well, hey, check it. it. Mayville goes to science, um, and she's talking to her friend about, like, their magic circle, and then her boyfriend, who's a dingus, comes over, and he's nervous around them because they live in Salem, so he's probably seen a lot of traumatic witch shit in his time. And then she threatens him with spells, and he panics, and they both get in trouble, and she's like, what the fuck did I do? It's like, we well, are technically just harassing a mentally challenged guy. Um, and then, yeah, and then everyone goes home. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. So, Becker and Izzy go off to visit the magic shop, 
which is formerly the Sanderson Cottage. What's that dude in that I was like, wow, he's popping off real good? I'm gonna have to. I'm, I'm sorry, I, d- I didn't write the notes for this one, so I gotta like double check. You're gonna my own search shit. Gilbert. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Gilbert, who does like a little presentation. He tells you. Sanderson he, he tells you about the first movie, so you don't have to rewatch it. He gifts Becca a candle for their annual birthday ritual. I'm glad that everyone knows they go into the Forbidden Forest and do like a witch circle. Oh, he's no the new Shaggy. That's what it is. That would be why he's popping up recently. Yeah, yeah, good, good for him. He's Swamp Thing in the, in the Harlequin animated series. So they they go to what is or used to be the Forbidden Forest. And they light their candle. Only to discover shock horror! It's another black flame candle. Yeah, it turned out Gilbert's and a fucking asshole. It's a full moon! And both of the girls are virgins! Thank God. And the candle resurrects the Sanderson sisters once again. And then something happens where I turn to you, host with the most casting. And I said, Is this what happened in the first movie? Because mm-hmm. the three sisters emerge, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful, and the moon's too big in the background, it's beautiful. And they just start looking directly into the camera, and there sing a, a song. There is a lot of fourth wall breaking. In I don't this. think it's fourth wall, I just think the cameraman's insane, because this film features shaky cam, mm-hmm. looking directly into the camera, like POV shots, and Dutch tilt, 60s Batman style. And, and in one, a lot of and in one scene, I even wrote down, um, when Gilbert's running from Billy... All three in one amazing shot that makes me be like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so I, I like the take on the candle because it is just like a really It's a good twist, honestly, because like, why was that guy... Why did he do that? <laughs> why did he, he just made a candle. Why did he cause a witch apocalypse? Um, and I'm okay with the way that because they're in the woods... It reacts different to the first film because mm-hmm. that's supposed to be like a supercharged energy spot. So of course it's gonna like crack the ground and make it windy and like it's on one of those crazy hijinks are gonna like ensue. But so I'm fine with that. I did find the fact that when the sisters come back, they start singing a whole rehearsed musical number. They do a whole ass performance like it's cats, and I was like, I don't remember that happening. The only thing that I can think of is. Disney the last few years have made the Sanderson sisters like a huge part of their Halloween celebrations. You're right. I saw on the Disney Plus as like a karaoke thing for the 25th anniversary. Well, so I haven't watched the stage performance. So I don't know if this song is like part of that or they're running out of material because the only song they have is I Put a Spell on You. So they're trying to like add some extra music to the to the thing. I don't know, but I think it's, like, the whole singing thing is done better later on. And well, you they do need the, to do this. They do the bit. If you check the timestamps, the sing-song bit in this movie is identically placed to the original. which oh, is that's a cool fact. Which is just a cool, weird trivia thing. I, I like that they did some, like, strange... I don't know if that was on purpose. That's weirdly specific. So, <laughs> but, but at any rate, there's only one song in the first movie. Right? Pretty much. Look, I, I doubt this, because I have this problem where I forget musicals and musicals, like, all the time, and then I watch the movie, and I'm like, awful lot of songs in this. You do do that regularly. What? I don't know why I fuck that up so often. I just forget that musical is a genre. What's the one that 
we put on all the time? Oh, it's always Corpse, Corpse Bride that fucks me up the most, but almost all of them do it. <laughs> um, the girls manage to outwit the sisters by taking them to the local Walgreens and convincing them that, that was the fun. Witches are now in charge, and that they've started mass-producing youth potions. And I love this scene because it's super believable. Yeah, I was, I was, because this movie had some like already like preconceived agendas and notions. I was like, oh fuck, here we go. All, all the beauty products are probably, like, evil witchcraft or something. Yeah. But no, it's just literally the three witches eating paste. And I'm like, this is this is cool. I'm, I'm happy with how this went. And that's the thing. And, like, they run into other people in the store who just assume that they're, like, really good cosplayers. Well, yeah, it's Halloween. So, so everyone's just hanging out. they're taking with them. And then they think, like, <laughs> filters on it. And, like... Yeah, they got their filters going. So they think the potions are working because they look nice in the picture. But then they get mad at the round mirrors they're, that are in stores. Yeah. I don't know what they're for. Security? I thought, are they for, like, making sure there's no, like, trolley coming in the eye? Who cares? At any rate, they don't like what they say and they freak out. Yeah. But I, I just, I think this scene is really good because that would be a really simple way to trick witches that haven't been around in 30 years. And I think it's a cool premise because it's also what is keeping the new Beavis and Butthead completely afloat, where you take characters from the 90s beloved characters from the 90s and put them in today and they just get confused by shit yeah and i i think that scene particularly was well done and it also ends really good too because that's when um they get their new brooms yeah so you get as always i was trying to tangent because i figured uh, the Roombas particularly are very important in the film. Well, as as always, you get Winifred with... She just picks out, like, a normal witchy brew. Yeah. Keeps it traditional. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, I don't even remember what she grabs. No, no, she had one... She had a mop thingy, like, the one behind you, because at a certain point, like, it was blowing bubbles. Oh, that's true. Mm. She, she has... Which, she had a mop in the first one. I'm looking at the thing behind you. It's, like, dead on. Yeah. And then poor Mary ends up with two Roombas. No, what do you mean poor? They're, those are cool. They follow her around and hang out. She's so cool, though, because she's like, they have a mind of their own. They want to go different ways, which is just from everything I've learned about a Roomba. They just behave like a Roomba, but floating. Mm. Yeah, it's very traditional Roombas, just goofing. Yeah. But, but the like, fact that they came back and became, like, integral later so is so... Cute. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're some of the better characters. So... I'll take Roombas over, like, the three new kids. While, while our witches are, you know, gallivanting around, coming up with their plan, Izzy and Becca escape to the magic shop and tell Gilbert off for tricking them into reviving the sisters. And he explains that he saw them, like, disappearing back in 1993. He was a child at the end of the last movie. Yep. He um, decided that they looked cool. He learnt how to make the candle thanks to book. And I personally feel like that's the weakest part of the film. It's such a small toss away part. It doesn't really matter or give any like it's additional a- context. Look, it exists to bring them back to the present because they're like, why'd you do it? He's like, I thought they were cool. But that's the thing, he could simply say that they were his idols, or he wanted to learn magic from them, or, like... He already owns a magic shop, he wanted to prove the point. But that's the thing, he didn't have to have seen them in the first film. Why not? Why? Just to prove that it exists in the first place, it concretes his beliefs. 
Why? Because people who have seen God believe in God more than other people. My point. That's um, a huge wig. Anyway, the sisters catch up with them and they see a flyer for Mayor Trisk, mm. which is Cassie's father. Who's a recast from the past. Which recast from the past. They are direct descendants of Reverend Trisk, who we've decided we don't like. Was he mentioned at all in the first movie? No. Not from memory. I don't know, I'm just not wondering. Um, Winifred decided that they're going to cast the Maxima Magica smell, the Magica Maxima smell, bell. Or Magica Maxima. Holy moly, apparently I can't be a witch. I didn't want to be rude, but you pronounced it like, like you said Mexico in the, in the early, <laughs> early on in the notes. There's so many words. Um, and by doing this, they will be able to eliminate the mayor and take their revenge on Salem and be in charge, which is their... That's the whole thing that they wanted to do in the first place. Um, they trap Izzy and Becker in the basement and leave to hunt down the mayor, whose blood they're going to need to get for the spell that they want to do. Hmm. Um, they force Gilbert to collect the other ingredients by cursing him with, like, a magic um, hourglass. Parts of that I hated, parts of it I liked. It comes down to, like, you know, we're not spending a shitload of money on this film. So, like, there's moments... It's got the swirly sand in it that's, yeah. like, glittering, a, you know, a, a silly cocktail. Mm-hmm. And that looked cool. But a lot of the shots were that sort of photoshopped onto the front of the hourglass, which looked terrible, but I did like the part where he, like, flipped it over trying to get the more time. But, like, as he turns it, the sand amount adjusts, so it's still the same amount. That was, like, a cool little optic illusion trick thing. Mm. And that's the thing, like... It's a good example of this movie. It's not great, but it's pretty good. Yeah, there's a couple, of, there's a couple of nods. I said this when we were watching it, so spoilers for my overall thoughts. Movie, couldn't give a shit. But it's the spooky Halloween season, and we sat down late at night, smashed like like a bunch of pizza, and we watched a crummy Halloween movie. It's about the vibes, people. Exactly. It's not about the film, it's about the vibes. If anything, it's better that it's not a good movie, because it's a conversation piece for us to bond over while we point out silly things. Yeah. While we count a woman's pants. Um, so the girls, of course, try and warn Cassie about the sisters, but they're struggling to do so, so instead they call her dad and rat her out, because they assume that having him head home would be safer? They were kind of right, because he's in the same location as the witches. Mm. They sing a song about it. He wants the apple. He has to go home and yell at his kid. But what they didn't predict is that he's a bad father. And he wants an apple. No, he went home, yelled at her, sent everyone home, and then left immediately. <laughs> yeah. What's stopping her from just getting back on Instagram and being like, yo, he's gone completely... <laughs> just immediately resetting. But, but also, it's the mayor. Skip the line. Get your apple. It's fine. It's fine that we I, had a huge, I, I long plot. I skip the line at work all the time. They spend more time talking about that apple than they did talking about, like, Cassie's French. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like, when I was going back to write this episode, after we watched it the first time, I was like, why? Like, they choose to focus on certain facts that I'm like, why was that, like, where you went? Why was that so important? The yeah. apple. And that's what I mean about him seeing them at the end of the film in the original. Like, 
it doesn't add anything to the film. It, but you focus on it like it's a crucial point, and I can't quite work it out. Yeah, it's got me beat. Um, as you said, this is where we get like our sing song part with the witches, which is one way or another. By yes. Blondie, which yes. you have also seen appeared in Seed of Chucky, again cycling around. It's funny that the, the smushed up face chick played the maid and bride. Um, and it also is used, in fact, in a very similar way, like lightly parodied to fit the theme of what's going on in Rugrats meets Thornbreeze, I believe. I'm going to take your word for that because I, I can't confirm or deny I'm pretty sure because it's one of the kids has Cynthia when they go missing in the woods, and Angela Angelica has to like go save her doll. Hmm. Um, I, it's I, probably in other films, but those are the two that I thought. Of. I thought this was up there with "I Put a Spell on You." What do you mean? Like the choreography was great. Oh, yeah, cool. It's a great musical piece. It's enough of a musical piece without being a musical. Like, and like I said, the lyrics are like, tweaked to fit what's going on I think on it as well. will be iconic as we move forward. I know that you're one, saying that, that, but one clip. when I when I this film, that one clip. Yeah, maybe. I know this is just my my like brain doing its word association thing, but when I hear the song, I think of like Jennifer Tilly's like Tiffany doll getting hit in the forehead with an axe, and then it freeze frames and it says her name because it's like the end credit music. In. That's that's just a thing that I will have to shape. <laughs> so while that's going on, Gilbert digs up Billy Butcherson. Yeah, he's back. Um, who it turns out has been entombed awake since 1993. So has, has he just been lying down there in a box for 30 years? Hmm. That's rude. That's the cold truth of death, is you are awake and aware the entire time. It's rude. <laughs> um, Gilbert needs Billy's head. In order for the witches to do the spell. Yeah, what is it? The head of a loved one in the potion or something? Yeah. Um, but, of course, Billy's, like, fully functioning, so we use him to collect ingredients first. Turns out that Billy Butcherson is a really great shot. Yeah, he plays some carnival games, and he moves like Captain Jack Sparrow. What? He has rigor mortis. What's Captain Jack's problem? He's from the 1600s. Hmm. They're probably both, like... They've got similar sex diseases. <laughs> probably. Um, the girls reunite with Cassie. They manage to trap the sisters in a salt circle in Cassie's um, garage before the mayor arrives home. Um, at this stage, the three, you know, reunite and get along and everything like that. Um, but something happens to the salt circle, Toby. Hmm. The Roombas finally, like, have made it up the street, and they start, like, cleaning up the salt, and I thought that was cool. It's a cool callback. Mary, Mary's so excited. She, when the movie, she treats them like little poppies. Well, they fucking are. They're, they're little conscious little dudes. And it's wild to, like, look at how this movie is, because that bit with the three witches is great. Mm-hmm. It's, very, it's very on brand. They're doing, you know, they're doing their thing, sort of giving it 110%. But then you got, like, the three... New girls just kind of like talking. They're they're teenagers. They're working through their and this is the point the where they're at the trolley, right? And they talk yeah. to the 
Mike. Yeah, Mark. Mike. Whatever. He just, he's trying so hard. And, and they tell it. They say to him, no, they say to Cassie, it's like, we don't like you because you hang out with your boyfriend and we never ask you not to hang out with your boyfriend and just be us girls, but that's your fault. And also, he tells us that we're witches sometimes. And that's rude. And he's like, but you do witchcraft. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, and you follow occult things. And they're like, yeah. He said, well, you're a witch. And they say, pointing out differences is bullying. And at that point, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> because, you know, this is one of those um, PC things that isn't really like being fair and loving to every different type of person. It's aiming for the more anonymous grey blob humanity that, you know? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't help but notice you're a woman. Sorry for being sexist. Sorry for bullying you. How, how dare you call me the gender I am. I'm offended. <laughs> but that's... So, I, I'm currently going through that experience once again of... People are being called emo mm-hmm. because they have their fingernails painted. Because pop punk's back, baby. And they dye their hair dark colours. You see Blink 182's got a song coming out? Oh, hell yeah. It's called Edging. Buddy, I've, I've How do you feel about that, though? You know what Edging is, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you get it real close, so then you, then you stop. And you get it real close, and then you stop. It's supposed to make your load bigger, but I don't know. I, I, have, I don't have the patience. I thought it was what you did in your lawn. You know, just cutting around the edges? No, no, it's a jerk-off thing. Oh. Huh. <laughs> well, we'll wait for the song to be released to see who's correct. It's an instructional song. Um, so while, while this beautiful reunion is happening and the Roombas are slowly sweeping up the salt circle, hmm. they just decide that they'll kidnap Cassie. Because she's there and she's of the right family. So they just use her blood. Yeah, fuck it. Like, that's much easier. Um... Becker and Izzy follow them to the Forbidden Forest, where Gilbert has all of the ingredients. Soon discovers that Becker is also a witch, because it does the magic E.T. glowy fingers. Yeah, she got blue. Yep. Um, Can I ask you something? Do they call it the Forbidden Forest in this movie? In the, the Only in the very beginning in Salem. Okay, because I keep thinking about the, the hooded duty and the unicorn. No, so... Um, that's a forbidden forest too, When right? they're trying to... Yes. Yeah, that's what's fucking me up. When, when they're trying to remove Mary and Sarah back in the 1600s, like, Salem Village, she says to run into the forbidden forest. Okay. And I've just, like, kept the title because if I just no, say that fair. they run into the forest, like... No, that's cool. That's cool. I'm just checking because, yeah, I'm, I keep thinking about Harry Potter. No. And that's not a place I need to be in. We're, we're in Salem, not in England. Okay, okay. No, that's all good. I'm just uh, having a look here, because the Salem woods doesn't look that spooky in real life. In fact, they have, like, picnic tables and shit. I, I think it's, like, a specific part within the woods. No, no, so, yeah, maybe. Um, the sisters partially cast their spell, but they get distracted by Becca as Izzy tries to save Cassie. Um, Becca manages to convince Book that it doesn't want to do the spell. Winifred's being mean. It should come and hang out with Becca. And so Book, like, floats away and is like, no. Was there any reason that it changed its, um, allegiance? 
Because it, it didn't want to do didn't want the to spell. Do it. Okay. It understands that the spell is... Like, the book is conscious. Oops. Yeah. And so, like, it responds to how you talk to it. So the fact that, like, Becca's being, being really nice to it and things like that, it wants to respond to her. And Winifred is clearly, like, being all-powerful. She's yeah. not really, like, thinking straight. She's a little mean. Which, when they said, like, it, the, the big spells at the cost of, like, a loved one or a loved thing... Yeah. I wasn't sure what that meant because she doesn't seem to really like anything. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, and that's the thing. So, Book shows them the warning for the Magic of Mexico spell, which is that they will lose what they cherish most. Um, the girls all agree to warn Winifred, but it's too late by that point. Mary and Sarah are fading to dust. But oh, yeah, Winifred they get fucking Tony Stark. Is becoming all powerful. Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. I do like that at this stage they let the witches kind of win. Because really, Winifred could turn and, like, end this film completely differently. She could turn everyone into ash. And that's the thing. She could, like... It is a little bit lame, but at the same point, she is all-powerful now. Mm. Um, But because it's a family-friendly film, like, it's that little bit terrifying... Or, like, can see how it would be a little bit scary. But then at the same time, you can clearly see that things are going to be okay in the end. Yeah. Because we pretty much instantly see Winifred growing upset and begging the teenagers to save her sisters. And they realise that they can't save the sisters, but what they can do is join together to form a new coven... And cast a reuniting spell, which allows Winifred to happily fade Vaporize. away and reunite with her sisters. This is when Gilbert and Billy finally show up and decide to be any help whatsoever to these three teenage girls. Well, you say they're men, so they weren't allowed to take place, and they have to be goofy characters because that's what men are, where useless. Or all of the men in this film are useless. I'm sorry, I'm sure that's Mike I'm sure that's on purpose. He's struggling with his two brain cells. Mm-hmm. They're going in different directions. The mayor is only worried about his apple. How do you like them apples? Gilbert is Gilbert. And Billy is just trying his best. Which is really what Billy does. Hmm. Um but we see that Billy has started to fade away, and we realise that all of Winifred's spells have been undone, and that... And I like it. Billy is finally at rest. I think that's nice. Yeah, um, there's, a, this whole, there's this whole plot where he doesn't want to be known as, like, Winifred's boyfriend. No, he wasn't Winnie's boyfriend. He's like, no, nah, she's, she's shit. <laughs> um... So the girls decide to give Book their new home and continue practicing their magic as they walk off into the night. Quite similar to the Sandemson sisters because they do the weird, like, They do the funny thing. stepping. Um, as they leave, stepper. a bird identical to that of Mother Witch um, shapeshifts and flies over the head of them. Um, I'm going to skip that one because I've changed my mind on it. I do like that they try and give... Billy a little bit of a backstory. Hmm. Um, he he makes Gilbert 
Well, Gilbert promises on his own accord to explain the story between Billy, Winnie, and Sarah. Um, turns out that Billy and Sarah wanted to get Bowchick out while Winnie got jelly and killed him. That's rude. So I'm glad that they, like, give him a bit more to go with. Hmm. Um, there is also an after credit scene within the magic shop where we learn that Gilbert made another black flame candle. Um, this is something else I, I really don't like it. Because it took us so long to get a sequel, and they managed to wrap up the Sanderson story really well. So why add it? Because now the new three have to get out of control and get uh, witch-hunted. <laughs> they become the villains in the third one. Look, I'm, I'm okay with doing something with the new three. I feel like a TV show would maybe be better. But I think leave Hocus Pocus alone. Hmm. Like, find... If, if you really want to do another sequel, find something else to do with it. Um, there has also been a bit of an argument about, like, the story not fitting and it not being good. Um, and that people prefer, there was a book that came out a few years ago with a sequel idea, which is Max and Allison's daughter Poppy, who, of course, grew up hearing the family story about how her parents and her aunt battled the original witches. Um, is super skeptical and turns up at the Sanderson's house, lights the candle, and she's doing it to prove that it couldn't have happened. Personally, I'm glad that they weren't able to go this way because I feel like if they didn't get the original actors for Max, Allison, and Danny, it just wouldn't have been... Like, if, they, if you had the full original cast, it would have been really good. If you only had half of it, don't go that way. Like, I understand they'd be grown up and they would look different and stuff anyway, but mm. I don't know. I just feel like I, I don't mind Hocus Pocus 2. Again, is it a little bit of a hacky holiday film? Yes. It's a seasonal Disney Is that a bad movie, thing? No. no. I think it's a really great parallel film. It's a reboot without rebooting. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think I've staked my claim. I think there's a lot of problems with it, but that's not what Halloween movies are all about. Yeah. You you sit down and you watch Plan 9 from Outer Space and you're like, this is terrible. But you have a fun time. Yeah. Because sometimes something bad is more exciting than something dull. And that's the thing. It, it fits the vibe check. Hmm. And that's really all you can ask for. What's better, film. this or Halloween Town? Halloween Town, but What's I have What's better, this or Halloween Town 2? Still Halloween Town 2. What about Halloween Town 3? I have nostalgia for them. <laughs> they, they were what I watched as kid. I like this over Haunted Hathaways. What what the fuck is that? I've heard of that before, but I don't know what that is. It's a TV show where a mom and her three kids move into a place in New Orleans that is haunted by a dad and his three boys. I think it might be like a Nickelodeon. What's the one that's on Disney that is like all the other shit on Disney? 
Oh. Wizards of Waverly Place, yeah. No, that's different. That's what I'm asking. Is that better than this? Depends which season you're talking about. The movie. The film was worse. Oh, okay. The film was very Disney Channel TV extended edition film. Mm. Okay. What is your what is your like staple Halloween film? Like, what's the what's the top spot? Probably Nightmare Before Christmas. That's a Thanksgiving movie, though. I know, right? but, but I didn't know what Thanksgiving was until I was like... It's just a smart play. It's like, ah, oh, we'll just do like two holidays near each other. We'll get a bit of each. Yeah. I'm surprised that hasn't got a shitload of sequels. Especially because of like the trees in the woods. That is just begging to be a shitty franchise. I, look... It's a hard one to do because it's a because I refilmed certain parts of it and mm. touched it up because of course like techniques and that got way better. That film takes a long time to make. It was based off a poem by Tim Burton, but wasn't done by Tim Burton. It's by Bob Bo Welsh, right? Uh no, Sally. The guy that does Coraline. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he's cool, too. Which he left Disney in order to do Coraline, so they can't get him back. Tim Burton wouldn't come back and do it again. Like, it's it's not an easy one to do. Yeah, too complicated. And that's the thing. Originally, when even when Nightmare Before Christmas came out, Disney didn't want anything to do with it. They released it under a different company because they thought it was too dark for the brand. Hmm. Like, I don't know. I feel oh, like my apologies. Bo Welsh was the Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. Tim Burton guy. Um, I, I feel like holiday films get a special pass. Yeah. They shouldn't be good. They don't need to be. If they were good, they wouldn't be good. Yeah. I mean, technically, Batman Returns ain't that fucking perfect. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Hokey City Pokesy? I enjoyed the experience, and honestly, I kind of recommend watching it. Is it good? Fuck, no, not even right. <laughs> I, did, I didn't enjoy the film, but the experience is, is something. Yeah. Cool. I like, I like a little rinky-tink Halloween stuff. What's your favourite Halloween film? I don't know. It is, Hocus Pocus 1 comes from a good era of, like, randomly, like... Super stylized gothy shit. Mm. Like Hocus Pocus, Casper, Adam's Family, Adam's Family Values, Death Becomes Her. The other one I'm thinking of. Practical Magic. Yeah, all that stuff. And I, and I do enjoy that whole, like, era. Mm. I don't know if I have a specific Halloween movie, because I watch whatever constantly. I don't really think about this. I don't really think about seasonal stuff. That's why I think Hocus Pocus is a holiday film, not a, like... Because most of those I would watch any time of year. Hocus Pocus are not. Halloween Town is a Halloween film. Well, it's got it in the title. That's how you know. But that's, that's, (laughs) you know... It's it's not a any time of the year film. I know my favourite Halloween movie, ladies and future boys. It's Batman Forever. Class dismissed. No, it fuck fuck you. <laughs> I just remember. I'm, I'm just remembering 
Jim Carrey at the door getting answered by Michael Goh and him and Tommy Lee Jones say trick or treat and there's other fucking kids there that day. I wonder if they killed those kids for the masks. At any rate, a, at least a fragment of that film takes place during Halloween. And you can take that to the bank. My name's Bean Kyle. Was that the homework question? Yes. Oh, okay, cool, cool. It's a good homework question. You're done good, kid. This is my co-host, Toby. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for to the listeners for listening. Thank you to uh, the host this week. Um, I did finger guns. Amazing. I was yawning. Yep. And, yeah, that's it. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and uh, stay tuned for more spooky Halloween goodness. Don't fear the Reaper. Class dismissed. <laughs>